0: Good day, good day, and welcome to Your Voice, Your Power. I am Anika Wilson, and today we have a power panel. We are talking about breaking cycles, and it is so relevant because I don't think there's anybody that doesn't have a cycle that needs to be broken. And we don't like to talk about it, but that's what we do. We talk about the things nobody else wants to talk about. So I am going to start off with an introduction of a woman that is a woman of impact and part of my village. Um, We're going to start this off with Ms. Bridget McBride. Hey, Bridget. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you? Wonderful. Can you tell listeners who you are and how you incorporate into the concept of breaking cycles?
1: Yes, I am Dr. Bridget McBride, and I am an accountant by trade. I have a doctor's degree in accounting, but I have a financial literacy program Where I'm sitting there, I teach people how to change how they're spending and financial cycles as far as how they spend, how they think about savings, how they think about how they live their lives, how they think and feel about money, material things, things of that nature. Because 5% of the people control 95% of the money because the rest of us were never taught that information. And we were never conditioned to do those things. So the cycles that I deal with on a regular basis with my group of people is breaking their financial cycles.
0: I love it it because you're talking about something that we don't talk about. And in a day and age where we have uh, electronic money, it's dismissed a lot.
2: Yes.
1: No more of as long as I have checks,
0: I have money you know what? That's very true. Because-
2: oh, come on. It's the debit card, right? My my son, when he was six, was like, mom, just pull that plastic thing out of your... No, not that way, honey. It's not this way. It's too good.
0: <laughs> and they think it's endless.
2: They have no concept
1: at all. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Kimberly- my nieces learn differently though, because my nieces understand that when auntie's with them, somebody said today, "Oh, you're the auntie that buys everything." I said, "No, they get invoices because if I have to spend money, I invoice them for the money I spend with them when they're with. Them. Because if it's not a, if it's not a need, why am I paying for it? I don't pay for Once Wants the things you earn."
2: I'll tell you something <laughs> I did with my son when he was uh, in elementary school that actually changed the game for me. We I'm a single mom, so we would go out on weekends, and of course he wanted to buy, 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 buy. And so one day I said, fine, I will pay for parking, gas, and groceries. Here's 40 bucks you're in charge of the budget for the weekend. If there's anything left on Sunday, you get to keep it. And he learned real fast what he wanted to save for, um, to the point of, mom, you're not really hungry, are you? (laughs) I want a hot dog, but are you really hungry, mom? (laughs) Yeah, it's different when it's their money, and they understand
1: it's not infinite.
2: Mm -hmm. Right. But it was because he was responsible for both of us having to get into events and do things. And okay, we only have so much money. Do you want to go to the movie or Chuck E. Cheese? You know, you have to make the decision. You can't do both.
1: Yeah. Well, when my nieces were about four or five, four or five years old, they actually opened their own business. They wanted money. So they asked me, how did they get it? So they created their own business. And I acted as a business consultant, so I still build them. You have to pay your bills. So I taught them how to manage their inventory, pay their bills, make sure everything was provided for, had to make decisions like what sold this week that didn't sell last week. So they had to make all of those decisions themselves and pay the bills. And so they was like, this is kind of hard. I'm like, welcome <laughs> to adult life. <laughs> Kimberly. So.
0: Can you go ahead and introduce yourself to listeners and tell them how you fit into the bill of these breaking these cycles?
2: Sure thing. appreciate you having me on. Um, sorry to interject but she was she's got such great stuff there. So I'm really excited to be uh to be on on uh, as a guest with her. My name's Kimberly Leonard. Uh, I own a content marketing company called Sensible Copy and Consulting, but I'm also launching a program and releasing a book called Stay at Home Single Mom. Um, The entire purpose behind the book and the coaching program is to reshape the narrative and the stigmas that single moms have in society and how they speak to themselves. Um, I came from a financial services background. uh, When I was uh, married and and had my son, I was a stay-at-home mom. And when I got a divorce, my number one objective was to still be mom first, And I had to figure out how to do that and still work from home because I wanted to be at the PTA meetings, I wanted to do all of that. And through all the ups and downs, I built my business, I built my career in something new and different, um, writing, and developed a a really nice niche. And what I'm doing now is inviting others in to learn from me and then get a paid mentorship within my own program and within my own company. So it's about uh, really teaching people about once you align your priorities with your goals, You can avoid mom guilt, you can go after your goals with full force and really build the life that you want for yourself and for your kids.
0: So you're speaking to my heart right now because I was a single mom for 10 years. And I'm I I was doing a blog post or an interview or something, and I said, I'm a recovering single mom. And people don't understand what that means, but for me, I was raised by a single mom and I was taught to do everything and go hard and not expect anything and and don't ask for help and so now being married almost 40 years old you know trying to figure out how to live life with somebody when all I know is mm-hmm. to go hard for my kids it's really hard and so I love what you're doing and I get it because people do not understand you know even in breaking these cycles I didn't realize that I came from a cycle of single motherhood and you know- I didn't realize that the things that we're teaching our kids are harming us, you know, yes, it's great to be strong and it's great to be prepared, but I also want my daughters to understand, to have an expectation of normalcy. And Mm -hmm. I use that word lightly, but I don't know what else to say, but to have the expectation to not want to live life alone and not feel like, you know, don't go out the gate expecting it, which is what I, you know, I knew I wanted kids, but I knew I didn't want to get married because every marriage that I had seen failed. So I said, why would I do that when I can just have kids and not die alone, you know, and go hard and get my education and make enough money to hold it, hold the fort down. Right. So I totally get what you're saying. And I totally love it and the support, what you're doing. I even have a single mom support group, but it's really ironic. Cause when I got married, my husband was like, are you going to continue this single mom thing? I was,
2: like,
0: <laughs> I was like, it's a mindset. And to a degree, I don't want to lose a lot of it because a lot of it got me to where I am.
2: Well, it's funny because I bring a lot of married moms, recovering single moms into my support group. And I said, you're still part of the journey. I want the people that I'm working with to see that there is life after divorce, after being a single mom. Um, And for me, I'm, I'm raising a teenage son and I've been divorced since he was two. And so I have that entire stigma as well of, you know, a contentious divorce, a lot of struggle. He had a lot of problems kind of adjusting to it. Well, single mom raising a boy, we all know what that narrative is supposed to suggest. And I'm like, that's not going to be my son. And I don't think it needs to be anybody's son. I found great male role models for him. He was into aviation. He was just embraced by these guys who were his uncles and, you know, they just became part of his, his story and his family. And I think we have to look at how we approach that whole concept of what do we want for our kids as single parents? And it's for men too. It's not just single moms, but um, you You know, know, how do we, how do we build that?
3: It would help if the men just would step up. I mean, let's just be honest. Well, thing. and
2: but it's but there are men who step up. There, you know, it, there are you know, and that's the thing is I want to make sure that people know that I'm not that that you know every guy is not you know a deadbeat dad and all that's of that. Not, it's not it's not the case, and it's, and there's a lot of men who are single dads who have stepped up who have there. It's just not it's not my story, so it's hard for me to mm-hmm. to go and write a book about that because it's a different struggle. Oh, um,
3: and that's the. I, it would be nice to get to a point where those stories that you guys just shared. Are the aberration
0: exactly, and not the norm.
3: I've got four kids, two girls, two boys, and 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 guaranteed that we talk about cycles and stuff. It's like okay, taking the good, taking the bad. I want to make sure that my sons take the good part of being a gentleman and chivalry and such, and that my that my daughters are independent enough, but to understand that it's okay to accept some of that when it's worthy and so on and so forth. So, um, yeah, my my big thing is perspective. It's, it's, I, I'm, that's the group vision perspective group. And it's about, before we talk about this topic, breaking cycles, for me, it's helping people see things from a different perspective, different point of view, because my background, um, is just, it's, it's quite, it's quite diverse in many worlds. You've got alcoholism, you have broken home, you have had, uh, same sex, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So by the time I got to being 30, I had gone through almost, almost every major life event. Mm-hmm. and so perspective was a huge thing and that was the only way that kind of kept it going keeping a positive attitude was right, looking at it from you know well things could be worse or their perspective that point of view that's oh I understand why they're doing that oh I understand why this is happening and that's what I want to try to bring so that people can see things that there's you know there's tons of point of views and it's the sister cousin to uh, empathy so if you can see things from different points of view and get into someone else's shoes and you can have empathy and when you have empathy that changes
0: everything. percent. Mm-hmm. I, I love it Marcus because I, I'm, I've lived a life like you like I came from everything that was traumatic and chaotic and that's why I started my business and talking out loud and, and I, the, your voice is your power because as long as we are not talking about these things as long as we are just acting like everything is okay and we're not addressing issues and we're not having empathy and we're not Embracing people and and situations and circumstances. It's ignored. And I agree with what you said because I literally just got back from Taking my children to their fathers and I found out one is in jail and one is just doing the same thing I mean couldn't even be in the same room and I'm like we've been we've been separated for 10 years at what point is this not a thing anymore? I mean, I'm over it. I'm grown. I've moved on. I've matured. Like, we have to stop. It's ridiculous. And the sad thing is, is that, you know, it is perspective, but it's really hard when the people that are involved do not have the same perspective. And we have to educate and we have to continue to have the conversation because these cycles have to be broken. And the saddest thing about the men that I've been involved with is that they came from the thing that they're trying not to do that they're doing. And it just... It makes no sense to me because I'm like, you are literally duplicating it. And for me, it was a revelation when I had my conference, and a woman, she talked about fatherless daughters. And she hit me upside my head in so many ways that I was not prepared for. And it changed my perspective of my marriage because I realized I was sabotaging my marriage because of all the pain that I had, and turmoil that I had, and perceptions of men that I had. And, you know, people say things like, you know, oh, you hate men, or you this, or you that. And no, it's not. It's just the fact that we don't know what a good one looks like. So it's like, you don't know what love looks like. And my therapist, my marriage therapist, she looked at me and she said, you have to learn how to accept love. Well, if all you've ever had is trauma and you don't know what love looks like, when you see it, you think that the shoe is dropping. You're (laughs) like, okay, I'm out. Huh?
1: I come from the other side. My dad was my best friend. My mom didn't talk to me about having a cycle. My dad talked to me about having a cycle. My dad took in all of the boys in the neighborhood, which was, which was hilarious to me, because one of my friends now has a PhD, and he teaches at John Hawkins University, and he told one of my friends that he had met, he said he wouldn't be the man he is today if it wasn't for my father.
2: So we had a lot
1: of my friends that were guys that came from single-parent households, but if you get up in my house on a Saturday morning, when I was a teenager, you better be careful because they're probably sleeping in a den on the floor of my father because they spend time, at, they spend a lot of time with him. And when he had his car detail shop, they came down there, they learned how to fix cars. He taught them how to wash cars. He taught them the things, like my friend said, he taught him how to be a man. When he made decisions that weren't good, my dad pulled him to the side and said, hey, this is not what a man does. A man does this. And so I didn't, I don't have that traumatic background. I know what a man is. I know what a good one is. And I'm still single because I'm looking at these other men like. <laughs> <not>. <laughs> the <laughs> bar was
2: set too high.
1: <laughs> my, mom, my, my, mom, to my mom was a school teacher and my dad worked at it. He was a manager. So my dad took the shift in the afternoon because he knew my mom had to work until four or five. So my dad was there when we got home from school, so that's who helped us with our homework, but he couldn't cook.
3: <laughs>
1: <Yeah. You laughs> so my parents a, had a partnership.
3: Yeah, you brought up a good point because they talk about now, though that the, the, I forgot what company it was, but it just did a toxic masculinity, commercials, advertisements, and all that stuff. And it was just so simple that it, when you see something, and like my, my son, my oldest son has commented on it, that when you see someone else, when you see another guy for us, doing something that's that stereotypical thing that just is like, geez, no wonder, you know, you look and go, there's a bad impression. Just yeah. tell them to knock you off. Because at this point there's enough support where you don't have to look like you're some sort of, you know, wuss or anything like that. At this point now it's kind of like, no, it's fine. It's, there, there's nothing wrong with that guy actually being quote unquote sensitive and et cetera, et cetera. So I hope that that cycle has been broken um, because my, my son's a, he's going to college and he's also a manager at a department store. And he's got guys that are ten years older than him that he's in charge of, and he's like, "I don't get it. I don't get it. Why are they here? This is this is this is ridiculous." And and then of course they're gonna have kids, and they're not gonna know any better, and it keeps going and going and going. So my dad was similar to your Bridget was that he was the one that would kind of step in when other other guys needed it, and so on. And we had actually had a group of of fathers that were that way, so it was very helpful for us uh, to see that. So.
0: But it takes a village. And I think, you know, for me, when I was a single mom and even when I went back to Florida this weekend, I pulled the village back together because when you are single or when you are missing a link, you have to be open to filling it any way necessary. You know, we are not designed to live life alone and we're not going to be strong. And every family doesn't have every quality that it needs. And we have to be open to receiving help, asking for help and creating a village for our children, for our families, for our marriages. That is how you break cycles. You know, it's that you can identify that somebody can fill this void and it's okay. It doesn't have to be blood. It doesn't have to be cousins. It doesn't have to be what you think it looks like. You know, we always look to church. We always look at that, create your own village, create your own group, you know, build, build it. Because, you know, I finally figured that out a couple of years ago and that's what launched me out of my rut. It was connected with other people
2: right because it's isolating it is and and for me the best thing I ever did as much of a headache as it became I became PTA president and what that did is it forced me out of the house it forced me to talk to people and it built a tribe for me that I didn't have to work at because you know when I got a divorce a lot of my married friends Disappeared, or it was harder to do things with them because it was a couples thing, or you know, it just became weird in a lot of different ways. Not that anybody had any animosity towards me, it became very, very isolating. And by doing that and getting out in the community and meeting people, I met like-minded moms, like-minded dads who were ready to embrace my kid like their own, who took me in like their own sister, um, and people to this day that I would I would not be where I'm at if they didn't become part of my life. And, and that's what you need. You need to step out. You need to find that tribe.
0: And I love that you said isolation because a lot of people do not know what the word looks like. And yeah. That's exactly what it is. And you get, um, you know, that's where the tarnish and the tainting comes into play is in isolation, whether it's your health, whether it's your, whether it's your mental health, whether it's, you know, uh, losing your vision, you know, your passion. And I also like that you mentioned that you stepped up to be PTA president because I committed to an MLM and then I committed to being a life group leader at my church. And I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew that I had to commit to something because I'm very loyal so mm-hmm. I knew that if I committed to something, it would force me to show up. And that's mm-hmm. what I do in my business. Like there are times when I just, I just leap because mm-hmm. you have to take those chances and those risks to make yourself step out of that comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Because that isolation is, it's, it's the enemy. It's the worst thing that you can do.
2: Absolutely. hundred percent agree to that. And it's funny because I, I actually wrote a piece not too long ago about MLMs and, and where they play a great rule everybody always looks at an mlm with this tainted negative idea of oh my god you're trying to, try to sell me something i'm like mlms are the best thing for a stay-at-home mom or a single mom in this day and age because you can make money you are forced to build a tribe and you get to socialize by throwing parties
0: that's what
2: i did i mean it is it is everything that a single mom or a stay-at-home mom needs and, um, there's so many different opportunities and with social media, you don't have to hit the same five people every time going, are you going to buy, are you going to buy, are you going to buy, but they are such a valuable component in society in this day and age. And, and I love it. I love that you did that.
0: And it's a confidence booster, you know, Absolutely. It, that's what it did for me is that I'm different now because it forced me, like every time I showed up for an event, I would stand there at least you're selling a product and not yourself. And, and it, it's, it's a bridge builder. You know, Mm -hmm. and we have to do that because even introverts, it's good for introverts, you know, is that you have to identify what you're lacking and be willing to make that change because that's how you break cycles. You know, almost all of us know what we need to change. We just have to be willing to actually do
2: it. Amen.
1: (laughs) And and like, for those of us that aren't parents, like, Nika, tell you, I, I was an advocate for my oldest niece this year. In school, and I had to deal with IEPs, and five, we were going through everything. And I'm calling, I'm like, okay, I got to go meet with the teacher today. What do I talk to the caseworker about? How do I do this? Education is not my thing. I'm not in academia. This is business. <laughs> so I, it's like I'm a surrogate mother all the time. Like you can tell, my nieces, my middle niece is here now, and I had to step in sometimes. I have to step in sometimes when my oldest niece has had 40 surgeries. She just had her 40th surgery in February on her back. So now she's with my mother, but I've had to learn so much about, I had a binder. I walked into an IEP meeting with a binder and every detail in it. And Nika was like, is this what you put together? I was like, yes. Because you have to support each other. And even, even as a person without a child, you have to be able to willing to accept that person's support. Because for me living in my neighborhood, I had two little girls that would be in my yard every day. And I would ask them every day, have you done your homework? And one of them says, I'm having problems with math. So I said, if you're having problems with math, I'll help you. But what I did not know is she didn't tell her mother where she was. (laughs) So the time I would pull in the yard, she would run in the house and get her books to do her math homework every day. So one day I took her home and I said, you do realize your daughter's at my house. And it's kind of, her mom had an invisible tribe that she didn't even know she had. And you know, things like that, so. You have to take those things in consideration because the first thing people like to say, well, you don't know, you don't have children. And I'm like, that doesn't mean I don't know how to be a mother.
2: Right, well, empathy is far and wide for those who will embrace it.
3: Yeah, and that perspective part. It's like, you don't necessarily have to encounter that in order to be able to understand that. It's that's not how it has to work. It's one of the things that's somewhat another angle that I put is sometimes we're all gonna make mistakes. We're all, we need to learn from those, you don't have to make as many mistakes as you think you do because you can learn from others. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> that's that's one of those things that is, but it's really convenient to say, well, I'm going to constantly make mistakes, constantly make mistakes. And I learn from them. That's great. It's a learning process. Like, But it would be nice if you didn't have to make those mistakes. And if you pay attention and learn things from other people, you may not have to make those mistakes. So
0: Ramen, what are you thinking about this? Because I know you're a relationship coach and you specialize in self sabotage. What are you exactly. trying to think about all that we're talking about?
4: So, this is like second nature to me because I am a relationship coach for women who don't have partners that are willing to go to therapy to fix their relationship problems. Oh. And I dove into this with my own experience and. I realized I was sabotaging my own marriage as I had a seven month old at the time. And I didn't realize that my childhood trauma was manifesting in my life. That's why I created Manifesting Your Fairy Tale and it's a premium membership for women looking for help in their relationships. But I put my own spin on it, which is helping and healing yourself first so that you can fix the cycles of self-sabotage in your relationship. And I just heal the individual rather than taking on the relationship as a whole and really showing women that you are empowered beings and you can create exactly what it is that you want in your relationship, regardless of the stories that we've been telling ourselves in the past and what we've come from. I've come from a household of abuse, of, you know, just negative self-talk all the time. And I didn't realize how much I was letting it play out in my marriage and I changed and will. I was willing to change when I realized, oh my gosh, my husband's going to leave me and I'm going to be a single mother because I'm doing this to myself. And that's where my, uh, my business came about. And I was like, I need to empower women because I was, I was dealing with mommy guilt all the time about putting myself first. I was dealing with mommy guilt about... Hey, can I take a bath while you watch the child? And like, you know, not asking for what I need because I was taught to be self-sufficient. You don't need help because you can do it all. Is what my body. Or you're
2: supposed to do it all.
4: (laughs) So asking for help for me was like, um, no, I can't ask for help because that means I'm failing as a mother, as a woman, as a you know crazy multitasker. I'm failing at life. So that's when I was like, no, it's okay to ask for help because you are actually empowering yourself to do other things that you want to go for. And if that is, if you want to feel good, you have to take that time out for yourself and then other people in your life will thrive as well, as well as the relationships that you have. So that's where I came in and cycle of self-sabotage is like, it's my story front and back.
0: I need you to get out of my head because you just, you just described me. So <laughs> <laughs> but that's,
1: like most of us, that's like most of us that are taught to be self-sufficient though and it's just like i hear so many people tell me oh well you don't need a man and i'm sitting there like it's not a matter of need want, It per se I, I i need a partner i don't necessarily need a man to take care of everything i run three corporations i have a doctor's degree i've been doing this for 49 years i got this <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> now if right. you want to step in and be a true partner let's let's go to it it's different right.
2: You know, well, and I think I think Mark uh, I think Marcus also talked about, talked about this too it's about having somebody to share Things with it's not just about it's not just about having a partner and help getting that extra assistance but I know there's times when I'm, I'm just like you know what this is a moment I really just wish I had someone to just enjoy this with or share this with or just be my be my crazy self with for five minutes without any guard without any walls without anything and yes the partnership and the assistance is is helpful too but it's just that connection that I yeah, think you that's,
4: that's so true because my thing was, I have a partner that is willing to help. He just didn't know how to help because I wasn't voicing that I needed the
5: help. Mm-hmm.
4: My biggest issue is, you know, the communication aspect. Because I was told I'm self-sufficient and I can handle everything, I don't need to ask for help. But I'm sitting here thinking, can't he see that I need all this help? I'm <laughs> struggling here. My that shit is me. And, you know, and when I voiced it, I realized how much of a crazy person I sounded like. It's like, I don't know what you need until you say it. Mark, yeah. help us, because that's hey,
5: the
3: It's funny, and, and it's too because I have kids, and the two girls, the two guys, and boys, and it's like, okay, how do we walk this line of teaching them to... You look, okay, so you don't need first right off the bat. You don't need anyone else. You can do everything, but <laughs> you will also <laughs> be able to recognize. So part the way we done that, our family was built on. Okay, uh, obviously, I had I, I was divorced and got remarried, so there's lots of other entities involved in here, and they didn't all see things. Some some would do business within family, some would not, and so on and so forth, and so what we had to convey is that you know that the way we got around it was accept help when it's family you, you it is okay that's what family's for and of course friends and family friends are part of it maybe. and that's how we got around that where it was kind of like you you know our my son was driving to LA his car broke down he was about an hour from my son i'm like just pick up the phone and call him and, and the first thing you know that my oldest son was like yeah sure no problem i'll drop it i'll go get him it's it's being able to ask whereas the, on the other side of the family, one of them, it was like, "No, you take care of yourself. You handle it. You don't bother them." It's like that's that's not that's not you can't go through life like that. That's not going to succeed. You're going to eventually run into walls. You're gonna and when you get into relationships, it's really bad. Like you mentioned, Raman, that it was kind of like you're you're trying to be there and you're you're you want to and but you're kind of like I don't get it and uh. My my first marriage, you know, you're supposed to be able to look and go 30, 40 years down the road, you can see yourself with it. Very early in the marriage, I realized I can't. This is not good. And we already had one kid and the second was on the way. And it was funny because I always talk about we went to marriage counseling. It was great. I got a lot out of it. She didn't. <laughs> it was like no. <laughs> for my, for my next relationship with my current wife, she was kind of like, you know, I, I for the more or less, I hate your ex. But it was great that you went to counseling because you got all your shit to And I'm like, yeah, I pretty much was able to. So, and I almost had to walk through with her because I'm kind of like, so what I'm hearing you say is, and I'm, you know, all of that stuff. And she just goes, I just want to yell and hit you. Like, okay, go ahead. <laughs> Conversation, right? <laughs>
2: And so, I, I think it's a, I think it's important with our kids too is to let them see us struggle and ask for help. Yes, you know, I mean, yes. because it's
0: not a fairy tale.
2: It's not. It's not. And and I I think you know early on I didn't want to let my son see me stressed or cry or have a bad day, and I always hid it from him. And then one day I just couldn't and he just came up and he gave me a hug and he, you know, I mean, he was little at the time. Um, And then about a year and a half ago, I blew my knee out. He likes to rock climb. So mom started rock climbing with him. That was my way of spending time with my teenager. Right. And I fell 12 feet and dislocated my knee and ripped everything. I didn't walk for three months. And he was the only person and we were in a gym. He was the only person who saw me fall. And I will tell you that while I had family here that stepped up and really, really helped me through all of it, he did too. And not many teenagers would. And I, I would attest that to the fact that he understands that uh, he got the lessons I was teaching him over time, that we do need help sometimes. And you do need to ask for it and you do need to accept. It. And if somebody needs help, you need to step up and do it too. That and happens. Yeah, Yeah.
0: just waiting for an invitation. And there's, it's not an invitation, like life is designed for us to help others. And that's the thing. I'm extremely transparent. And I used to get in trouble at work and in life, everybody's looked at me like I had two heads because somebody would say, how are you today? I'm not gonna lie to you if I'm, if however I'm feeling is how you're going to know I'm feeling. And I'm, you know, I'm finally embracing that because the one thing I've been with my children is transparent because I know a lot of people who've never seen their parents argue. I know a lot of people who have never seen people And when I got to Florida this weekend, I looked at somebody because when I, when I got engaged this time, everybody was so happy for me because they're like, Anika, you deserve it. Oh. And I'm like, what is this perception that marriage is Like perfect in that, you know, it's like the captain came to save me and everything's going to be fine. And I looked at one of my friends and she was like, I hate my husband. I want to choke him sometimes. (laughs) And I told her, I said, I wish y'all would have said that to me because instead of everybody being, ah, if somebody can say it's going to be hard, you're going to have to try really hard. Then it would be different because i this is my second marriage and my first marriage was kind of like marcus i literally walked into the marriage saying okay so when i get divorced and it <laughs> have been that way but it was the way i walked into it and right. i will never know what it could have been because if we didn't try counsel we didn't try anything it was literally like okay we took a shot at this okay we can say we tried and that was it but you really have to have both people in it and you have to do what you're willing to do and like now as a therapist I'm going to marriage counseling and I actually like it, but I tell people therapy is like shoes. Every brand is not gonna fit you the same and you have to try and fail. And when you find the right people, and this goes for your village too, you promote and demote accordingly. But people need to stop painting pictures. Because when you paint pictures, people have false expectations and then they don't try anymore because we get into it. And like Raman said, you know, I was the same way, like not knowing how to convey help. Like if you see me with 18 heads and I'm looking like Medusa right now, I should not have to tell you what, that I need help. Just find anything. Pick something up. Put this fire out over here. Give somebody something to eat. You know, and that's an assumption that, that people think like we think but we really need to start being transparent and telling people no it's not perfect and it is going to be ugly and there's going to be about 2 days out of the week that you want to jump off a bridge then people know to expect rocks instead of smooth pavement and that's the whole thing about life is that we got to be real you know everybody has all of these expectations but we go through life and we have to to really embrace the struggles and and use them as takeaways and and i think <laughs> We need to have more conversations about sticking things out because I know my therapist told me she's gonna take my tennis shoes away from me because she said I'm a runner. I was like, whatever. Better <laughs> <of> right?
1: <laughs> anybody does anybody else have the responsible one issue? Like I'm the responsible one and it's not just in my immediate family, but when my cousin my cousin is four years older I than me, when his parents passed. It was like everything was, Bridget to take care of it. Bridget has it. Bridget to handle it. Even my mom's my mom's brothers and sisters, like, Bridget would take care of such and such and such. And I'm like, who's going to take care of Bridget? <laughs> that part. Yep. It, it's, it's, it's hard. And and it's hard to find that person to lean on because, and, and Anika would tell you, she was a lifesaver for me during the last part of my doctorate program because I was about to fall apart, literally. And no, we just happened to meet on Facebook and get. <laughs> From there going forward, it was therapy. like, you know.
5: But I ahead.
4: tried therapy, and it didn't work for me. You tried I, what? I tried therapy, and it did not work at my time. Like, when I needed it, mm-hmm. I went, I talked, and talked, and talked, and I was still repeating the same patterns. Nobody at my therapist's office, no matter who I saw, told me that I had these cycles that I had to break.
5: It mm-hmm.
4: allowed me to talk and cover the baggage, but I realize that even
1: though I'm uncovering it, you I'm not wiring it. Not yeah. it. Right. They yeah. were just I loved that. when I first had my first therapist. My first therapist is actually my fraternity brother, which is really interesting because he's my therapist, but he's also like, he, he thinks of himself as family. So when I was doing things over and over again, he's like, you've got to stop. You can't fix everybody. You've got to cut this out. You have to cut your sister off. You've got to cut your mother off. You've got to stop. You've got to live your life. And he was just like straight up with me about everything. So I need
0: that, I need that straight no chaser therapist. I don't need anybody. <laughs> and part of it is knowing what you need. Because that's the same thing about us all being coaches. Is that people think that coaches are all the same. Nope. We are extremely different. You have to find that one that is going to meet you where, where you're not at. You don't need, if you're empathic, you don't need an empath. If you were whatever, you don't need that. Like, I need an authoritative figure that's harder than me. It's like, I need somebody <laughs> to say, Anika, if you don't sit your butt down and go over there, if you don't walk back in that house and be nice to your husband, if you don't, that I have to have that. Don't do the, Anika, it's gonna be okay because I'm gonna Like, you. But,
2: but you also have to be, as the person going to therapy, you have to be the person that's open to hearing that. And sometimes I think the first time or second time people go to therapy, they're they're there because they know they need it, but they're still not sure what they need or how it goes about. They're hoping that the therapist has a magic pill. And the and a lot of therapists, unfortunately, are just there as mirrors. Oh, okay, so that's what's happening. Well, maybe uh-huh. have you considered. And, and that's not necessarily productive unless you just need somewhere to vent. If you need somewhere to vent and that's what you need, Great, but most people... <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> but we're good for each other that way. <laughs> Anika's gonna be shaking you till you're like, I go, I got it, I got no, it. I, got no, it. No.
1: I had to threaten her life when she had surgery last year because she had surgery and would not sit her behind down. And I had to threaten her within an inch of her life because she ended up going back into the hospital
0: because she's hard headed. But <laughs> well, that's why I'm the best teacher of what not to do. I am great at teaching people how to do self-care I am great okay at- we're
2: gonna rebrand you as lead by not example <laughs> <laughs>
0: I can tell you what not to do because I done did it for 10 years and I done figured out it doesn't work and I'm still working on the execution of how not to do it but see that's why I can break
1: financial cycles I I'm mastered that I can match a credit card in five seconds flat. <laughs>
0: I hate to say but that's credibility (laughs) y'all. People really want to know how you know what not to do or how we became coaches or how we built brands. It's because we figured out that okay my life has to mean something and it didn't mean anything for me in that season so it's got to mean something for somebody else. And that's what I want listeners to understand is that when you're looking at coaches and you're looking at us as authors and you're looking at us as perspective, which I'm going to be picking Marcus's brain. Cause you're in my tribe now. Like I am, I, I love to tap into people because one reason why I talk to anybody and I mean anybody mm-hmm. is because I learn something different from everybody and just having a conversation with somebody, their perspective can open up, doors and eyes for you that you have been chasing for 20 years and it could literally be a conversation from a bagger in a grocery store you just happen and that's why i'm transparent because i don't know what comes out of my mouth it's just sometimes it's exactly what needs to come out of my mouth so i don't even try to to control it anymore because i've learned so much just by talking gibberish you can start a conversation you can learn you should not be walking out of your house and going back the same every day
2: Right. Well, and and I love what you said about coaches, because I I think, you know, great coaches have taken the time to dig into their own skeletons and people need to realize that it's not that you just woke up and said, okay, I'm going to go and be a coach. I mean, there are some who do that, who, you know, but, but those who have really kind of gone on that journey, didn't just go on that journey and decide to become a coach. They went on that journey and they said, wait a minute. Okay. I actually, people are now asking me how I got here.
3: Yes. And there's
2: some value to that.
3: Yeah, that's exactly, my wife laughs all the time because we'll be at like just a restaurant in the waiting, just waiting for a reservation. People will start talking to They just, and I'll talk right back. And she goes, look? what is it about you? You just, they, they just start talking to you. And I'm like, I don't know. I, I, I At this point, it's kind of like, I don't care because when I call my past life, it was a lot of sales, marketing and stuff. So i talked to so many people just, it, it, and you start to, you do see patterns. You do see demographics, but yet, Everybody has something unique and individual. And it's crazy, like you were saying, Anika, that you, if you just listen and engage back, all of a sudden you can hear something and you're like, oh, that's great. And then I put it in the back of my mind and next conversation comes up. It's kind of like, I was talking to somebody at a gas station, like, you know, and, and then it just all accumulates and it, it's, it's kind of going towards the greater good, the greater consciousness, whatever you want to call it. But if you don't do that or if you close yourself off to it, um, you know, then then you're not going to learn anything. You're not going to grow. You're going to stay in the same cycle over and over and over again. So,
0: And I'm going to tell you guys how I wound up married this time is that I literally decided to do the opposite of what my intuition told me. I Everything that came to mind, I just started doing the opposite. I decided to quit my job and fire my boss. I decided to start a business. I didn't know what I was doing. I just decided that everything needed to be different. So because, I mean, literally, like, things would be bad, and so I'd go get a new job, and I think that that would change it. Or I'd move to a different city. Or I'd get a different apartment. I just, like, I kept changing external things. And so I decided that I was the problem. So everything that Anika thought, Anika did the opposite of, and then I took chances and I just started doing different things and it started working and I was like, okay, so don't trust myself anymore. Just, just do what I wouldn't do. And it kind of sort of worked because I realized that I was the cycle and I was going everywhere I was going. So nothing was changing. And it was like, okay, I failed. Don't do that anymore. And so I started listening to people that I was ignoring. I started going places that I avoided. I started taking chances and risks and learning things that I thought that I didn't want, like financial stuff, Bridget. I did not want to hear anything about that. Now I'm married to an investor and a a guy with a degree in economics and an MBA. And it's like, and I hate structure. And now I'm married into the military. I mean, it's just like everything that I hated is happening and it's actually giving me peace. And it's like, Oh my gosh. So everything I've been running from is what I needed all along. And it's sad, because that's kind of what we all do. And that is how you break cycles, is that you do something different. Get out of your
2: comfort comfort zone.
0: zone. Mm -hmm. Did y'all all all say that simultaneously? I think we
2: did. did. (laughs) (laughs) She's part of my tribe now.
0: (laughs) It's so interesting, because people ask how we got where we are, and we just started doing things different. You got uncomfortable
3: it's one of those things where people talk about work like balance it's kind of like well that's kind of okay what is What's
1: that
3: yeah i've learned, learned more, yeah, more it's work like integration it's not a balance yeah, it's not I'm to put
1: my niece to work in a few minutes she has credit reporting letters to send out so that's the balance right, we're getting our quality time in while she's doing
0: work <laughs> I, my daughter doing I look i told my daughter i said you want your phone only if you do graphics so see that's balance,
3: right, Marcus? Yep. Yeah. It's it's integration. You're integrating stuff as far as, because a lot of times I, somebody brought it up to me about balance thinking that, okay, you're always like, you're literally always on it. And then when they talked about integration, I went, oh, okay. That makes more sense because it doesn't have to be, it's not a, a lump sum or a total sum. You can actually- in, in Our
1: country has no concept of what true integration is. So how could we possibly understand that? <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: true we're still working on that we're working on that hard (laughs) i want to ask each of you a question and i'm gonna let this be the close which is gonna take a minute i want to ask each of you so when you think about a cycle that you want to break in your legacy what cycle is that and i'm gonna start with marcus
3: Hmm. i think mine the cycle I guess the cycle I want to break is, uh, is that there's a supposed to, what you, what the world expects you to do. Um, I, I, that one really bugs me a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's something I instilled on the people I talk to, uh, my kids, of course. It, and it, there's, we get trapped into this thing of what, it, the, you know, I think people call it, you know, the Disney novelty. person. And, and I, I love Disney, don't get me wrong, but you know, that that concept of this is what the world expects you to do, mm. and then you lose sight of who you are.
5: Mm, and, make you
3: and that's what I want to make sure gets broken for people realize it's not quite a question everything, but it's almost a question almost everything. Yeah. Just and that's yeah. why I call it challenge. Part of my stuff is challenge experiences, challenge it. It might confirm it and it might actually tell you that you're doing the right thing and you're going in the right direction, but it also might tell you that. No, you need to tweak it or scrap it. So I call it challenge, so to speak. Challenge everything as opposed to uh, you know, question everything. And that's the cycle I like to break so that people start thinking for themselves. They actually just start realizing, oh, I don't, you know, the this, this single mom narrative is a perfect example of it. Oh, I, that's, that's not what I have to be. That's, what that's maybe what's expected. And maybe it'll work. Maybe that will work for you. But, you know, think about it. Just challenge that thought before you actually go about doing it.
0: I love it. Raman, what about you? I want to
4: break the cycle of women who are conformed to version 1.0 of themselves. Version 2.0 is calling them, but they're sticking to, no, I have to be version 1.0 my entire life. And that it's not okay to transform into version 2.0 of themselves. Version 2.0 is bigger and better, and they're afraid of taking that leap. With my legacy, I want want women to know that it's okay to take that leap. It doesn't change who you are. It just
1: makes you better. Mm -hmm. All right, right, Bridget. What I want to break is the paycheck to paycheck mentality. Uh And it's there without us even knowing it's there a lot of the time because we're just taught to go and consume instead of creating. One of the things I tell my clients is, I don't believe in budgets. Even our United States government can't live on a budget so i believe in a spending plan so let's create what it is that you want because we're creative and innovative beings so i live in i live in a point where i i make jewelry so when i want extra money or i need extra money i'll make and sell jewelry that week or i'll do something else that week or i'll write a paper for someone we can always generate just take the limitations and the binders off our lives because they tell you money doesn't grow on trees but in fact money is made from paper so evidently it grows on trees as long as we don't cut them all down so, you know, sometimes you have to just get out there and I try to save the world and I realize that that mindset and that limitation that we place on ourselves is what kills it for a lot of people. And some people just don't want to help themselves and I have to know the difference between the two. But for those that do, we have to open ourselves up and stop limiting ourselves and keeping us from going to the next level. Yes,
0: ma'am. What about you, Kimberly?
2: Um, gosh, as, as a legacy, I think for me, where I'd really love to make an impact is changing the social narrative from single mom, social stigmas to single mom success stories. Um, You know, I want single moms to realize they can live the life and give their kids the life that they dreamt about while they were entering into marriage and motherhood and, and thinking about all of those dreams they had when they started and that it doesn't need to come crashing down just because they are now single and trying to do it themselves. Um, There's other ways and and they have control more so than they think.
5: Mm. Valid. Um,
0: (laughs) For me, (laughs) I wanna stop the cycle of abuse. And that can be mentally, financially, physically, emotionally, but I also wanna stop the cycle of abusing ourselves. (laughs) So, listeners, I want to thank you guys for tuning in to another edition of Your Voice, Your Power with Anika. Let's stop these cycles. We are committed to breaking cycles. And you guys can get more information on each of these amazing panelists in the description. And as always, uh, keep tuning in. We have more to come. And don't forget, stay powerful.